Welcome to the Settle Asian Real Estate Podcast. We're here to help individuals start, grow, and expand in real estate who've never had the experiences or the connections uh, to get started. So without further ado. Well, let's get started. It's 7.05. Um, I would give an intro to Christine, uh, but she already has it up there. Uh, <laughs> She's helped out so many of the members here in Sarah, purchased their uh, first investment properties. Um, but on top of that, she's had about two decades of experience herself uh, doing, you know, real estate, helping transaction brokers and pretty much teaching people, you know, how to buy and work around in the Austin market. Um, so uh, she's got a list of accomplishments, including uh, managing 130 rental properties in uh, the Austin MSA and uh, a list of acronyms that I'm not gonna bother going through. Uh, and she's currently an Airbnb super host. And she's also a restaurant kid. That was interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll restaurant talk kids. About that. Um, but yeah, so without further ado, uh, Christine, please tell us, how do you find an agent that you can trust from out of state? And maybe tell us a little more about Austin, which is obviously very popular. Okay, awesome. Hi, everyone. Hola from Austin. Um, my name is Christine Chow. Um, like Nelson has said, I own my own real estate and property management company. Um, a large focus is my investors, helping them earn money through this hot real estate appreciation market. Currently, like I said, like he said, I manage about 130 doors. I handle everything from the initial purchase to the leasing to the management. And then once they reach that goal, we'll unload it and then we'll move on to bigger projects. And then also I do manage um, some Airbnbs. So. so why Austin? Austin's always been in the spotlight, guys. You know, we were always number one in almost every single category, right? Best place to live, raise a family, find a job, find a date, right? We're surrounded by lakes and rivers. If you love the outdoors, Austin's a place for you. Every year, we have our famous live music festivals. We have ACL, which I'm super excited because it's going to be live. Um, we have South by Southwest. We have Formula One that I'm going to be attending this year. And with those festivals, it draws in millions and millions of um, and, um, visitors from all over the world. Austin is filled by a highly skilled workforce. And of course, we have no state income tax. We have no rent control. And you can raise the rent as high as the market dictates. And so those are the few perks about investing in Austin. And then on your left side, I just put, you know, just some fun events, some big fun events in Austin. All right. So as you can see in this map, we're surrounded by tech. Okay. Um, we have all the big names. We have Apple, Facebook, Oracle, Samsung. Um, we're known as the Silicon Hills. Austin is basically a new version of California's Silicon Valley. These tech companies are spread all over Austin, right? They cover the, it's covered by the MSA, which covers five counties, Williamson, Bastrop, Cadwell, Hayes. And right now the medium, um, medium household income is about 68,500. 68, the medium age is 33 which I'm surprised about. I just looked that up, right? So 33, these are youngsters. I mean, even though Nelson and Annie are like babies, right? But youngsters, I can say that because I'm like in my mid forties. 33. Anyways, okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, but yeah, what, is, what does that mean about this age group? It means that they're ready to buy. 
they're probably settled into their careers, right? And so we have a very great dynamic um, pool of people and stuff. Um, let's see, the home ownership rate is 45.2 and more than half of the people in Austin rents. So that's great for leasing, right? And for investing. The national unemployment rate is 6.9, but Austin's unemployment rate is 2.7. So if you are in Austin and you're not working, it's either you don't want to work or you're physically can't work. So many of my ask me what's the best to invest in. And my answer is depending on your risk and your budget. Right. I have some investors that tells me, Christine, I have to have cash flow. And then I have some investors that says, I'm okay with a little bit negative because appreciation is really what I'm looking for. So if you're thinking about inv investing in Austin, it's definitely an appreciation play. You're going to have very little cash flow, if anything. Actually, you're going to have negative. Right. So my top five city picks for Dale Valley, I mean, my, my top five picks for the cities, if you're in a budget of around 350, is going to be Dale Valley, Cedar Park, Pioneers Crossing, and New Braunfels. So these, so these cities <clears throat> are not in Austin proper, okay? They're about 45 minutes around the city. Um, <clears throat> best appreciation, of course, is going to be Austin, but you know that the the rates for appreciation Austin is going to be double digits, definitely, but you're definitely not going to cash flow. And you're probably going to have to put down 30 to 40% to cash flow. Okay. But if you, if you have the budget for it, then I would definitely go that, go that route. Um, right now, if you have cash or you have stocks that you can liquidate, cash is making a huge comeback. A few years ago, it didn't matter on cash, you know, right? Because, um, but now that we're seeing a lot of over list, 100, you know, you know, 15, 20%, 30% over list, right? So if you can do cash, you, you do have, definitely have an edge in this um, market. So on this page, like don't get caught up in this page. You know, I really put it together here. I have a lot of people that ask me, what are the, you know, zip codes? What are the zip codes that you need to look at? And so I put this up here just to kind of give you a guide, um, address and zip codes of major employers to kind of easier for you to search. And then I need to update the Tesla too. Austin is the craziest market I've ever seen, right? That, like I said, you know, I've been in real estate for almost 20 years now, you know? And here's a snapshot of the February stats. So if anyone is interested in getting these monthly stats for Austin, you know, let me know and I'll send it to you. It's definitely provided by my wonderful Austin Board of Realtors that I serve as a director in. So there's two charts. One in the left, we're talking about the MSA. And again, we're talking the MSA is encompassed of the five counties, right? And then on the right side, you have the um, city of Austin. So if you look, <clears throat> the median price to have an Austin address, right, is about $100,000 difference, okay? Both of them are, you know, less than one, you know, less than a month inventory. And then if you see um, there was a slight dip on the sales, and that's because in, um, in the middle of February, we had that huge blizzard storm that kind of really say kind of stopped for a couple of weeks. And then that kind of affects some of the numbers. But, you know, many people was about without electricity, water. I mean, it was a crazy time. 
And luckily, my husband and I were in Vegas. And so, you know, we're like freaking out because, you know, what's going on? And I was like, I want to get home. My husband and everyone's like, no, no, stay there. You don't want to come here. There's nothing here. It's freezing here. And so, um, but yeah, because of that, you know, the numbers have kind of um, been a little bit lower, but Austin is just trending upwards and there's a buying frenzy here. So remember when I said that in Austin, you know, there's an appreciation play. So here, I just wanted to put up some of the few graphs and I just picked out some neighborhoods, okay? Um, this is gonna be North Austin tech area where the where we have the famous domain that people are always talking about. Um, Austin, the Apple is situated in the North part of Austin. In 2012, Austin, I mean, Apple had, uh, announced their big expansion and immediately what happened property values went up right and then so now if you look if you purchase a house in this area and it was 179,700 in 2011 and look at what what it is now 480 right so you can get caught up on cash flow maybe having a little bit of cash flow or you can kind of cut, focus on like the big picture right which is going to be our appreciation Another one is um, Cedar Park. In Cedar Park, same same situation. Like I, I like Cedar Park, you know, it's small. Um, it's about 40 minutes from downtown. It's the booming part, the Northwest part, we call it a little bit of Austin. It still has like a small town feeling. The, um, it has good schools like Leander, Round Rock, and it's home of the hockey league. It's like a hockey league, which I haven't gone to a game yet, but. You can go there. Tesla. So Tesla has been the big buzz for a while, right? Because of Tesla, look at these values. Holy cow. And so Tesla is in an area where it's rural. Um, schools aren't strong. Crime is a little high. But you know what? The whole area is changing, right? And um, Tesla is going to bring in at minimum 5,000 new jobs. There's a new grocery store coming into this area. I mean, it's just amazing. And it's funny because, you know, I'm in real estate and I could have bought new homes in this area. And I want to kick myself because I just, there's like, honestly, there's nothing out there. Right. But it's close to the airport and it's like 15 minutes from downtown. And that's what everybody wants to be is downtown. Right. Okay. So I put this go up. Just to, um, you know, if you're looking to invest in Austin, really, I want, to, want you to think about your goals, right? Are you looking for cash flow? Are you looking for appreciation? I mean, it's definitely nice to be able to have both. Um, but, you know, I just wanted you to really kind of think about that. And then really get your financing ready. I mean, we all have, I'm assuming we're all Asians have good credit, right? But the thing about it now is that to get a pre-approval, it's not like back in the day where you, you have like 800 credit score and then you got it, right? Or you send in one pay stub and you got it. But, you know, clients like myself and I'm sure like many of y'all, you have many properties and it takes time to go through the properties. You have to submit all your statements, your HOA. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that it's just not a, a real fast thing. Usually it takes, you know, two, three days to get that, to get a get real good pre-approval. So I really wanted y'all to make sure that, you know, you go through that. And then also, you know, properties in Austin, they move so fast. Like you really have to kind of commit to, if you want to buy something that, you know, if I send you a list, you really need to move on it quickly because properties come on 
a lot of properties come in Thursday and then everything is due on Sunday and Monday. And so if I send you lists and then you, you, you respond back to me a week later, well, they're all gone. And so we're gonna have to start the whole process again. So really want you to kind of you know focus whenever you're buying property. And then, you know, I always tell people that if you see a property that you want, I want you to fight for it because it's one, you know, I send you a whole list and out of 10 properties, you probably won't like one, or I send you 20, you only like one. And so, you know, don't get married to any of the properties, just put in a lot of offers and see what you can get, you know? And then, you know, have extra money for the appraisal because with this growth and with this buying frenzy, you're gonna have uh, appraisal shortages. And so, you know, you, you're going to have to come up with that extra cash, right? And then the last part, you know, just it's a long game. It's going to be a, an appreciation play like with those graphs I showed you. And so um, another thing is that I wanted to kind of give you an example that when I send you listings and it, and it shows 300 or 285 or whatever, well, that's not the price that you're going to get it at. And so you're going to have to over, over, over bid, right? And so I gave you an example here that, if you let's just say the list price was three hundred thousand, and we offer twenty five percent over list, you might get that and you might not. Just FYI, but let's just say we pray and then the appraisal um, covers, which it has before. Okay, so what that means is that well, if you're putting this twenty five percent down, then to get this mortgage, all you need is twenty five thousand, seventy five thousand. But so the worst case scenario, and this is what I tell my clients, is that if it doesn't appraise, you're going to have to come up with that difference, right? Or you're going to have to cancel the contract. And so if it's 300000 and you offer a 25% list, well, you already know that you have a 75000 down payment. But that shortage of 75000 you need to make sure that you have the bank to cover that shortage. And so I think if you're a good agent, you, you need to really present that worst case scenario. You need to make sure that the clients have that money. Otherwise, they're going to be in big trouble, you know? Okay. And then also closing calls, make sure you have enough money for closing calls. And then for me, for all my clients, um, because I have three crews to do all the make readies and everything, and we're trying to maximize on rents, I always ask people to go in and make sure that we really put a good product out there pay new flooring you know you know new fixtures and so i always like for y'all to kind of keep like a little budget for for that for the remodeling okay so on here i just wanted to give you like a quick year over year just some scenarios for you to take a look at right so austin medium home prices i see as much as 25 percent and um year over year appreciation okay and so Usually the buy and hold for a lot of my clients are like five to seven years, just like commercial. Okay. So if you bought at 375, then year and right now the appreciation for Austin, if I would say it was like seven to eight percent year over year. So we just use um, like a modest five percent. Look at it. 375 the first year, second year, 393. By the sixth year, it could be 478. I can't promise you anything, but that's what the trend is. And then on, on the bottom, we just looked at an 8% annual appreciation. If you're from out of town and, you know, why not think about Airbnb? I've man I managed like a few of them right now. And I tell you, the numbers are amazing because, because take advantage that we're around 
surrounded by lakes, take advantage that we we're, we're, have a lot of outdoors events. There's always music festivals everywhere. And so Airbnb is very strong. Um, there are a lot of restrictions in Austin and there's a lot of restrictions everywhere, but there are, if you can find an HOA in some of the areas, um, you know, Airbnb can really work. And then of course you have to follow the, you know, the guideline, you know, you have to do an application and, you know, every little city has their own thing about that. You have to find the regulations, but yeah, think about doing Airbnbs. I think it's a good lucrative thing. Okay. So I hope I get to meet all of y'all, you know, I hope I get to work with you, but really you need to find somebody that you're comfortable with. If you have, if you're, you're investing, you're probably going to want to find a property manager. And if you can find somebody that's both like me, right, it's easier. And it just makes everything a lot more seamless, you know, and for me, you know, I, I've been there. I bought my first, I'm an investor too. I bought my first investor investment. I remember how that feeling went, you know, I have seven now. I'm in a position where I'm thinking about 1031 and loading some of that stuff, right? So I understand that position. And then also recently, I just, you know, my husband was shopping around and we found a house that we like. And so I'm in the buying in this crazy market, right? And I had to go 52% over list to get this property. It took me two days and I, I'm not, and I, this is my, this is my profession, right? I, it took me two days to really think about the strategy, how much to offer, you know, do all my fans, my finances, moving things around, really kind of think about everything. We lost it. I was like nervous, anxiety, you know, we didn't want it, this property. And so I, I understand what you're going through and, you know, I definitely will take very good care of y'all. So. Do you have any questions for me? That's it. Well, for me, definitely. Um, for a lot of you guys who know me, I am, this is Annie. Um, and I actually brought Christine over to do this presentation for us. Um, and so kind of more personal is that I've met Christine about three years ago. Um, and it was at that point, I'm like, I was in California, Bay Area, and we were I was like not profiting on my, the house that I bought. And I was like, shoot, what am I gonna do? I know I had to sell it and go elsewhere. Um, and so luckily I was able to meet her through um, an out-of-state seminar and her presentation was the one that really got me sucked into Texas. So I know a lot of you guys are in the group right now. Um, a lot of you are probably in areas that are really expensive and looking elsewhere to kind of um, grow your portfolio since probably you can't really back and buy somewhere around your area. And I know there's a lot of fear involved for new investors and it's pretty scary. So what I want to ask Christine is um, for a new investor who might say, you know, not necessarily that's in Texas or they're interested in a, in a certain location, what would you recommend them? Um, how do you want, how would you recommend them to get started with finding help in a certain locations? say like um, Houston or San Antonio, and these people have never actually been there. Um, how would you, how would you get them started? Yeah. I mean, one, I would, you know, you know, 
to your friends and you maybe, you know, doing some research and just trying to find a local expert, you know, if you can get like a referral, that's even better, right? But definitely interview a couple of people. And then if you have the capacity and, and you have time, you know, if you would come and visit the city too, you know, and then meet up with that expert and so they can show you around and show you some areas that's going to work for you. You know, and so for me, I do about two or three tours. Like I'm maxing out at three. It's like kind of too much, to be honest with you. But I max, you know, max out at three, and then invite people all the time to come and meet me, and you know, come and you know, check out the city, because you, and and many of them don't buy right away with these tours, right? It's like one or two years down the road, and so, but you know, and I always tell people, you you, you come in do the airfare, you know, get a hotel and I'll cover all your meals and entertainment, right? Because I want you to be able to really enjoy the city and everything. But yeah, I would recommend just getting some referrals and visiting the city if you could, but don't come by yourself. You know, like I've had, um, I mean, I've had some clients where they come in for a month or two weeks or something, which is great, you know, and, but I feel like that kind of kills a lot of time too, you know, but you can get an expert to kind of show you around, I think that would really help because you see, you see that in a different perspective. And how much time do you feel that we would need to explore the area, um, say like in Austin to check out all the territories, um, what's the time length you would recommend us coming for? I would say like two, two full days, you know, or two and a half days. And again, it comes down to your budget, right? People are like, well, what's your best pace? What, you know, what do I have, right? And again, it comes down to like, how much money do you have, right? I mean, because there's so many different pockets. If you have half a million dollars, you can be in another area. If you, in the typical 350, 300, then I will show you those pockets that would be, would work for you, you know? And, you know, I also have clients that start off at 300 and then they end up at 450. And so I, I tell them, hey, I always ask people, what's your max? And it's not because I want to max them out. It's because we spend so much time, you know, one or two weeks of like looking at properties at 300 and we've missed some really good opportunities, maybe at 350 or 400. Right. So kind of think about that, too. And if you're flexible, I would let your agent know that, too. And how would you determine what's their pricing point? Because for example, if I'm coming from San Francisco, I think every single thing is cheap in Austin, but how do I know that's a good deal or that's right for, for us? Right. So I think you're going to have to trust your, um, trust your agent, right? You're going to have to trust your agent that, you know, like for me, you know, I, if I'm going to pick you up from the airport and you've bought something, I want you to be able to be proud of that property. Does that make sense? I don't want you to get, get off the property. I mean, come visit the property and say, Oh my God, this is a dump. Like I made a mistake. Right. Um, but I think you're going to have to really, I mean, you're going to have to do your own homework too, for sure. Right. Your, your agent is going to say, check out Cedar Park, check out Dill Valley, check out whatever, you know, and then you're going to have to do your own due diligence on that too. And then, you know, ask some proper questions and making sure that those areas are rentable and, and you're comfortable with that. If you guys also want a third party opinion, I'm also an investor now in Austin. So yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, try to get opinions of people that live here or in the industry too, because you're going to have all these like different opinions from your friends, from this and that. And people are always going to talk about good news. They're not going to talk about the ugly, the truth or whatever, right? Because oh, no, I complain about cleaning up toilets all the time. I don't know if people <laughs> follow my Instagram. It's just me about toilets, heroin, tenants, you know, just all, I complain about all the bad stuff. That's... Yeah, no, no, for sure. Ah, 
trust me, when I go to listings, sometimes I have to clean their toilets too because it's freaking nasty, you know? So I keep wipes. I don't know. All right. So let's get through the questions. Um, it's, it's Andrew Chang said, sorry, what did you say with the top five cities for the 350K price range? Did you mention that earlier? Sure. Yeah. So I like, um, I like Cedar Park. I do. And Cedar Park is super hot, by the way, you know, and so is Round Rock right now. Cedar Park uh, is, I think, the highest above asking percentage wise of any of the Austin cities right now. So crazy. Uh, my client cash buyer, um, it was just 300, but super clean. Like they can move in ready. Right. They they're um, we went 418 on a 300 and it was just a OK house. I mean, with, I mean, I hope he's not on here. I mean, it's you know, but it's just. 300 we had to go 418 you know and so what's crazy is if you had just bought four months sooner uh it would probably be like fifty thousand less in cedar park right now because yeah. yeah. i bought in that area too because uh yeah. people don't know this but cedar park has probably got the second best public high school in the austin area mm -hmm. and with more tech money coming in uh those test scores are gonna get pushed up real quick with those uh kids of sure. Apple engineers and whatnot. Yeah. And that's why Cedar Park Round Rock is hot, but you are you are gonna have to compete for those, um, compete for that. I mean I just lost the deal in Round Rock and it was like 325 and we went 400 and we didn't get it. You know what I mean? And and then the house needed work. It's not like a you know we still had to go change out all the floorings and paints and stuff. Um I also like Colorado Crossing. I do like Del Valley. Um I do like those areas. I do like New Braunfels too. And so New Braunfels, I manage about um, three homes over there. I manage about two duplexes over there. And it's just been booming. It's, it's like caught my eye over there because it's still pretty affordable, like around in the low 300s. There's still, still some new homes over there. Um, I didn't put this on my list, but even Bastrop, because I, I was, they have some newer um, duplexes over there that I was competing for. And you know what? Still same thing, multiple offers. I wanted to buy two duplexes, offer 50,000 over list because this is just backdrop, right? This is like out going towards Houston. I didn't think it was going to be all crazy, right? The agent told me that I got it. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, the deadline was at three o'clock, right? She told me I got it. She told me she, I got it at one. And then six o'clock came. I didn't hear anything. And I was like, oh, hell no. Guess what? I got beat, <laughs> right? So... I mean, yeah, so Bastrop would be a good one. Um, Braunfels. Um, How do you feel about San Marcos? San Marcos has State University over there. Um, yeah, it's a little bit older. I think so. I think San Marcos is a good option. All right. Um, okay. And Alex Chen asks, would a good realtor assist the with the first time investors proper offer say that again sorry would a good realtor assist with the first time investor with like a proper offer like would they help draft the offer right and oh uh, right you're right yeah no for sure so with, with my investors i, I really kind of guide them right so what you know it's funny i got a referral uh, from another agent that came to me and she wanted to put an offer uh, on this property and it's really really nice and she goes Oh, Christina, I heard it's crazy in Austin. And she goes, yeah, I want to offer uh, 50000 over. And I was like, no, you're not going to get it. And she's like, what? And I was like, I said, no, you're not going to get it. And she and, and I felt kind of bad because she was like, my, I've never met her. I've never really 
because she was a referral, right? And I told her, you're not going to get it. And she was like, well, you know, that's one I want to put in. I was like, okay, you're not going to get it. And so I, I gave a verbal to the agent. The agent said, yeah, we have much higher. And so she went up like another 25000 I said, we can try that, but you're not going to get it. And so, of course, I write it up, right? I write it up and everything, and we didn't get it. So it, it went over 120. Yeah. So, yep. So, yes, I, I will. I mean, not only will I, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll do the market analysis with it, right? We'll, we'll do the comps on there. We'll do the lease comps. But I'll be honest with you, I mean, I, I can show you so much data on the lease comps, but it's not going to make sense. It's not going to make sense. So we're going to have to do that appraisal waiver. And we're going to have to really talk about your finances, about how, like, do you have the money to cover that, that, that delta, right? And if you do, let's move forward. If not, then we just have to move pass on to another property. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. Um, so question, next one. Um, Joseph Chan asks, what are your thoughts on Austin versus Houston? Pros, cons. Um, not saying I'm biased, but Austin is the most expensive city, but we're also the best appreciation, but we suck on cash flow, right? So if you want cash flow, you, Houston will have it. Houston will have it. Part, Dallas will have it. But any day I would buy a property over appreciation than, than, um, than cash flow. Right. But it also depends on your situation. Right. When my husband and I start investing, we couldn't appreciate. I mean, we can afford appreciation like we have to have cash flow. And then we bought another one and it was the same situation. I mean, we didn't really do appreciation and we have seven. We really didn't consider appreciation to really our fourth property. And so because we're trying to build, you know, that nest. Right. To buy more and more. And so um, but. Yeah, and also Houston has floods, right? So you have to be careful a little bit about that too. You know, you have to figure out making sure that it's not flooded. Austin has flood zones too, though. Hold on. Austin has flood zone, but not majority of of Austin. You know, a lot of Houston has a lot of floods. So yeah, that's uh, one of the things that it does uh, have cash flow. It does have cash flow. So that's one thing that actually drew me away from uh, North Austin. I kept trying to find properties that weren't just in the flood zone area. And that was kind of like a like the ones next to the uh, domain the main's like oh, yeah. northwest but everything else like just a little east of that yeah flood zones so yeah no i hear you all right uh G sam k what are your thoughts on buying properties sight unseen very common very super duper super duper common in fact um properties come on thursday they're gone sunday and monday i'll give you a list and i'll be honest with you i don't see most of them even as an agent, number one, because I'm sending you the numbers, right? There's no emotional tie to it, right? You kind of look at it, it looks good. You're not going to have time to look at all 10 because these lines wrap around the houses, okay, number one. And number two, it takes time to do all those numbers too. And so most of my properties is, is I put offers in that I don't even see them. And so what, what I say is that it's going to be a risk in the fact that you you have to just get it under contract. The, you get it under contract, you worry about it later. Meaning you get it under contract, you're gonna have maybe a four day option period where you get back out for any reason. You're gonna pay say $500 for that option. And then during that time, you can do your due diligence and then go in and do inspections. And then we can negotiate inspections. If it doesn't work out, then you're gonna back out. So it's gonna be um, a little bit of an expensive plague because you're gonna lose your 500. But if you continue with the house, you don't lose that money. 
So you lose your 500, you lose your inspection, but um, it's very common to, to yep. you know, sight and see. For uh, people who didn't know, I also learned this when I was buying in Texas is that um, Austin has an option fee, uh, which is like, you know, your earnest money, like that'll come back usually if you screw up. The option fee, you don't get back. It's a fee you pay. So like- yeah. Because you pay, that option. You, you pay for that option to back out for any reason. It's really right. meant for inspections, right? But really- let's just say you change your mind or, or maybe we put in two offers and you can't decide which one you want to go with and then you get it canceled and then, but your earnest money is protected. Yeah. Like in Chicago, that was not the case. There's no option fee. You just have like a seven day option period. You don't have to pay uh, more. You don't have to pay anything? Back. Yeah. Awesome. So that's well, why I was like, yeah, I'm surprised. Because uh, yeah. I guess Austin's hot, you know, so. Well, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, if, you know, in a regular Austin market, you know, you can probably do a seven day option. And then it used to be only like 200 bucks or like 150. It was like nominal, you know, but because it's so hot right now, I mean, we have people that are offering thousands of dollars for option period to try to make it strong, right? Because that money goes to the seller. It doesn't go to the title company. And so I guess if you give them a thousand dollar option, they get to keep it if you don't continue. But I think I see a lot of those high, high option is when their offer is not as strong. I don't know. I, I might be, might be wrong. I don't know. I mean, on my house, I offer a thousand hmm. for four days. I mean, for three days. Uh, just yeah. The one I heard was uh, my roommate put in a significant, a very high uh, option fee because uh, she was buying like a luxury home. But like the issue is like when she bought the home, she had a newer agent that told her usually it's like a 0.1% of like one, it was like 1% of 1% or something, right? There was like a, some number that y'all usually go for when it comes oh, to money. Yeah. For earnest earnest money. Option. option fee. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she went with the, what the agent said. And as a result, she paid a lot higher for the option fee than like the 500, How which she paid. Huh? How much did she pay? It was over a thousand. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like well, if of- it's a million dollar, if it's a higher end property, you know, then it kind of, you have to have that option. It kind of makes sense. Does that make sense? I mean, if you're like bidding on $2 million or a million bucks, you, you, you can offer 500, 300. I mean, you could, but it kind of matches with the property too, you know? Makes sense. But yeah. Minimum, I always do 500. Yeah. Got it. Jeff Huang asks, hi, Christine. If I'm a first- Wait, wait, no, we'll do that. Let me go back to that question. I have some comments on that because there's a lot of investors who are not just considering Austin, but other markets. So going back to Sam's question on what are your thoughts on buying properties site unseen? So I know there's a lot of investors the first time that they're thinking of buying elsewhere you can't physically go and visit like the way you do at open houses. Um, and what I want to let you know is that um, you're- depending on the market, like if you actually have the time to do the visits, like you don't actually have to be there. But what I've done with um, other, with my realtors was that we just meet on FaceTime and um, they'll, they'll show me what the house looks like. So just to tell you, you know, it exists. And honestly, like even you're not going to actually go fly there to see it. There's just not enough time for that. No, in pretty much any of the markets or, you know, really getting to know like who's selling and all asking all of those questions. But um, other than doing the FaceTime, um, what you want to focus on is that, you know, you can still make the option or in a little bit slower markets, like say Austin and Dallas, what we've done is that you can still do an inspection. And when the inspection comes back, 
then you can still make your decision whether you want to turn off, like, you know, get out of that, op that option contract. Because to be honest, even if you're there physically, I'm pretty sure you, if you're not a contractor or you don't, you don't do enough with real estate, you don't know what's wrong with the building. So sometimes you just really can't trust only your eyes, but um, there, there's the appraisal reports that you're going to get. There's going to be the, um, the inspection reports that you're going to get so that even if you made your offer first and you end up figuring out you made a really bad decision, your realtors know, they'll know how to get you out of it. So don't be as scared or intimidating about not actually personally seeing the properties before putting an offer or buying it. Yeah. Right. And that's why yeah, you're right. I, I do FaceTime all the time. <laughs> I, 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 mean, I didn't mean to say that I'm not going to do that. I mean, if we have the time and, you know, I definitely will do that. So sorry. Thank you, Annie, for that. Yeah. I will say you should at least fly out and visit the neighborhood before you decide because the neighborhood is something you can see. But usually as a first time homebuyer, especially, you're not going to be skilled enough to pick up the issues with the house anyways. And that's what the 30-day contract period is usually for. It's to protect these first-time home buyers through professionals like inspectors, real estate agents, and other people in the middle who are supposed to make sure you don't make a horrible, you know, multi-hundred thousand dollar decision. Right. And then during your two days while you're visiting that city, what you should do is you should check out the different neighborhoods, but at the same time, keeping note in the mind of how, what's the price range you're looking at in, uh, in certain term, certain areas. So you actually have like a baseline of what things cost. And as you, the more properties you see them and the more research you do on like Redfin or Zillow, you kind of mentally have an idea of like, what's what you like, what is worth it to you. So when you go home, continue keeping track of what you see on Zillow and Realtor and all of those. And then whenever your realtor will send you a really good deal, you already have a comparison of, did you like it or not, or which certain areas it was in. And then it helps you a lot to make a, a quicker decision um, because you kind of have the back of your mind. Like, I think I know this area should be worth kind of around this much or the bidding should be around this much in the area. So keep track of not just the listing price though, but you want to keep track of what's the sold price in, in those areas. But there's no good deals in Austin. I'm just telling you that right now. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true, but it, I mean, it's not specifically Austin specific, but um, right. it could yeah, be for right. other areas as well. For sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hi, Christine. Right. Uh, Jeff Huang asks, if I'm a first-time home buyer, is there anything I should try to take advantage of in terms of financing when purchasing a home as an investment? In which case, I actually know this. Bank of America was giving like $17,000 as a grant for first-time home buyers in low-income areas in the Austin area. So that's, it can go towards either your down payment or uh, apparently rehab. So that's one thing that I know, but uh, I, mean, I think this thing probably know better. How long is that process? Is that like 45 days or 60? I have no idea. Yeah. I, I just heard about it recently, so. Right, no, no, I hear you. So um, yeah, usually with those first, first time home buyer programs and stuff, they take a long time. It's not like the typical 30 days. So you're really gonna have to uh, apply and really get your documents in a row because if you don't put a 30 day close or less, you're not gonna win the offers. Does that make sense? And so, and but then also there are many um, communities in Austin where if you make a certain, um, uh, income limit then you can qualify for some of the homes and stuff too and so and the homes look great they, they don't look anything less like in the neighborhood or anything it's just part of a project there's some projects around town that you can qualify for all right andrew chang asks may i ask what you charge for your property management fees 
And uh, with the real estate market being super hot, what are your thoughts on the mortgage forbearance and possible foreclosures made by Q4 2021 that may bring down the housing prices a bit? I can actually respond to the last part. If you look yeah. at the historical record, Austin didn't get hurt that much by the 2008-2009 recession. So imagine, you know, like a normal recession where it's not caused by the housing market, how Austin would probably weather that. That'll give you a better idea if you're looking at historical records for, um, for, for okay. stuff like this. Right, you're, you're right, you're correct, Nelson. So we didn't go through like a really like a recession like the rest of the world, but I can tell you, even myself, I mean, we've had this strong, strong appreciation where even locals were like, when is it gonna stop? You know, we're, and so everyone's like, it gotta stop soon. It, you know, there's, there's just no way. And then COVID hits and then it went crazy. And then it was just, now there's a freaking buying frenzy. And then, you know, um, Oracle said their, their headquarters are coming here. And then Samsung now said they're, you know, they're expanding their, what it, you know, billion dollar, you know, area and stuff. And so there's just so much expansion and I don't, I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. And so there's a lot of people, including myself, you know, that mm -hmm. want to do 1031 money and really scoop up and try to find the first, the time mm -hmm. when it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon for the rest of this year. We're still going to have that buying frenzy next year. You know, I think it's going to get better, but by that time, everything's gone up 20% or, or whatever it is. And then you might get closer to list price next year instead of doing these overbidding and everything. But I mean, Austin's still going to be very strong. So I, I don't, I don't see us slowing down anytime soon at all. All right. Erica asks, Christine, why would Airbnb properties require a lower down payment? Do you need to declare that to the lender when you're trying to get a mortgage pre-approval? I think this might have been a misunderstanding. But yeah, yeah. I know. My, my, my apologies. No, I'm just thinking um, if you're from out of state and everything, you can probably do a second home. And then a second home is 10%. And so th that's what I mean. And then if you do the Airbnb, then, you know, I'm assuming maybe you'll come visit and stay in the home 15 days out of the year or, you know, or make, and have it truly as a second home. And then if you happen to Airbnb in the future, then that's what happens. And so 10% on investment properties. Second home is a, yeah. Second, I mean, home. second home, sorry. Yeah. Second home loans uh, is if you have a primary, that's at least, I think, uh, 15 miles away from the original home, you're allowed to get another home. Uh, FHA mortgage, so you only have to put down three and a half percent, just to, to clarify uh, yeah. what Christine was saying. But FHA, don't you have to, um, you can't sign appraisal waivers, right? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, it's going to be hard in, with Austin because you're going to, if you don't sign that appraisal waiver, it's going to be hard for you to get that contract. I just want to be very transparent, you know, and, you know, not let y'all waste any time, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Doctor, going out back to the FHA question was that in certain markets where it's really hot, it's just not great to use it because again, um, FHA loan and also the VA loans, these take a lot more time to process. And when you're, when the um, seller is just getting so many offers, they're probably one, they're not going to pick you because of the length that it takes. And the second one is because um, in the FHA loan, there's a lot of fees that the seller is going to have to pay for and also fixes, like it has to meet certain requirements and they can't get the buyer to pay for that. And so because of these reasons, like it just sometimes doesn't make sense um, for a seller to choose an FHA loan. Um, so watch out for those guys. Yeah, it's, it's a very hot, tough market and, um, for buyers right now, to be honest with you, because, you know, you're going to have somebody with FHA, you have a little bit lower down payment. And then with VA, you don't have 
a lot of times you don't have to have a payment at all. But when you have even two offers and one's FHA that has 10% down, I mean, $10,000 down, and you have another one that's putting $50,000 down. I mean, which one are you going to choose? You know, and so it's super tough right now. Hopefully next year is going to get better. It sounds like properties are consistently closing at double digits over asking. Yeah. Why aren't the new listing prices reflecting something closer to what the closing prices should be? Oh, oh you mean you mean if it was three hundred, and then if the um, in the middle of the negotiation it goes to three fifty, how come they don't adjust that price? That no, right? I think what he's saying is like, all right, I'm buying a property this week for three hundred thousand, but we find out that the winning price is three hundred fifty thousand. Okay. So why do people not just list at three hundred fifty thousand next? Why are they still listing at three hundred thousand? To which uh, I can. They are adjusting prices already. It's just that they can't catch up because it takes 30 days for the closing price to be officially shown to the rest of the, uh, so it's right. like a three day lag. Right, right, right. So if you're a good, I mean, if you're an agent and you're, a, I would just do it at market, right? And and what market, not, I'm sorry, what not market, what sold comps, because that's what appraisers go by. So for example, you know, it, right, for that house, if everything recently sold for 300, then you're going to list at 300, right? Yeah, you wouldn't probably list at 350 because then people think it's overpriced. But because right now it's just better to do, put it at market and let the market do its thing, which is there's a buying frenzy. There's 10 people offering this price. And this, so it's just going to drive that price up. Does that make sense? And so you can start with higher and stuff, but then, I mean, it's just no telling. I mean, whatever the sales, whatever the comp says, you know, doesn't mean that that's what it's going to sell at. So how do you balance between winning and overpaying essentially? What's like a price that you think would be too high? For example, when you told your client to pull out? Yeah. So, um, I was, we were just talking about this, you know, I've closed, you know, since I, I guess January, probably like 20 deals and two of them, I mean, not two of them, one of them, out of everything, out of all the list price, and you know, usually my clients are, are pretty strong. They're asking. One of them was short by one hundred twenty thousand, and at that point, um, you know, it was like two seventy. And right now, you can't buy anything at two seventy. We we had ours at three eighty five, and it was just a very small pocket where, just two streets down, there was a lot of comps, you know, and the appraiser wouldn't use those very close comps. And so they were just using that very specific subdivision. And at that subdivision, nothing was sold. And so everything was sold was like last year, but last year it's different from this year, you know? And so I, I just advised my client, let's just, cause he was trying to buy two properties at the same time. And that would just suck up all his um, down payment. And so we just canceled it and we lost our earnest money. So he lost about $5,000 off that deal, but you know, we're, we're looking at two other properties and that was because his goal was to buy two. And so, um, yeah, so we canceled on that one. Would a property manager assist with finding renters? If so, what is the average property manager fee? Yeah, so we're not really supposed to discuss fees because it's like they talk about like price fixing and everything. Um, but I charge my brokerage charge. We charge 8%. And I, I try to give it a little bit low because I most of my clients, I manage like two, three of their properties. And so, but yeah, if you have a good property manager, um, they should be able to, you know, manage it and then, you know, find you a really great tenant too. What are your thoughts on Pflugerville, Killeen and Buddha? Okay. Um, I'm a South Austin girl. And so South Austin, 
um, which is, I guess, south of the river, um, have higher rates, okay? So, and then the prices are more expensive. And so I like Buda, you know, it's still pretty affordable. Um, I mean, there are some, I guess it's like 350, 400 right now, right? And um, the, the rents are pretty good. Colleen, I don't know, I'm, I'm still, I got a chance to, to go into that market about seven years ago and I, I, I didn't, for me, it was just my personally, I, I didn't like it too much, but if you wanna talk about cash flow, holy cow, that's a great, great property. I mean, you can get a fourplex and you know, get well over 1%. And so, and rents well over 1%. But a lot of it to me was a little bit run down and I felt like it's a military town, a little bit harder to manage. And so we, we didn't get into that property, but that's just my personal you know, opinion on that. And then Pflugerville is good too. Pflugerville is close to Round Rock, which is close to Dell. And Pflugerville um, has been a little bit slower in appreciation, I feel like. But now the Amazon, their distribution is going to be very close to there. It's going to, now it's going to be better on appreciation. Cool. And next question is from Steve Tran. What are some resources to utilize to keep up to date with rent control to adjust prices accordingly? Okay, no rent control. And so I think with a good property manager, they need to be able to analyze and send your lease comps every single year. And so, um, you know, sometimes you find a property like two duplexes and one rent is a thousand bucks, another rent is 1400. Well, that's because that thousand dollar rent is probably self-managed and they don't have access to the MLS and the resources to find the lease comps. And so, yeah, your property manager should, or even your agent should be able to give you some good um, rent comps and kind of advise you. So for me, I always go $50, $50 to $75 over the highest one because all my properties have, we put a good product out there. It smells good. It, you know, their paint, the flooring. And so. We got one more question with the Austin market appreciating so much. Is a single family home a better investment than say, you know, multifamily uh, duplex or triplex? I like to buy duplexes for a cash flow, but that you're seeing a fam family home is going to appreciate a little bit more. And the thing about Austin is that we don't have newer duplexes, like multifamily. They're all like 70s, 80s, you know, maybe you'd be lucky for some 90s or early 2000s, but they tend to be older and they tend to have a lot more maintenance. But if you're looking for cash flow, definitely multifamily is the way to go. But if you had to choose between the two, then, you know, I have some people that love duplexes, like my family, and I have some people that just majority of the people like to do, do single family homes. I would also argue multifamily is also appreciating and crazy. Uh, we put a bid on, on 168 unit recently in uh, the Austin area, and we lost the bid by someone went 25% above asking on essentially a $20 million apartment complex. So like Iowa. exact same in the multifamily market. It's not any different. Attracted too, because uh, the average appreciation rate in Austin is five six percent, right um, across the board. That's also what rent went up by. So if you track multifamily rent, usually correlates to how much um, the price of the properties will be worth in the future, assuming your cap rate stays the same. So multifamily is actually grown at the same rate. Like usually, general knowledge is like multifamily and single family uh, compared wise. Like you know, the single family homes always go up faster. But not in Austin. <laughs> that's that's pretty much all I've seen so far. Buy duplexes for two hundred thousand. 
luckily I bought a couple of those. And so now they're like 500,000. So I'm like, cool, you know, and now it's like, you want to buy a duplex. It's like 450, 500. Yeah. Minimum. Yeah. yeah. So. And better and one question for you is, so how has, since this group is all mostly on investors, we, I'm curious to know, um, how have things been looking like um, since COVID and with the eviction moratoriums going on? Um, have your clients have to change their strategies on investing in your area? And any uh, issues you've seen up with your renters? Yeah, I mean, when that happened, you know, um, what well, I remember, I think ours in, in April 1st. And so that's coming up unless it gets extended again, you know, but April 1st, I mean, right now, I, you know, with the property management side, we are really strict on our um, qualifications and everything and making sure that people have their jobs, a stable job. And then we decline a lot more applications these days, you know? And so I think it comes down to really your processes and really um, looking into just not settling for, for tenants. I mean, for bad applicants because there's so much, leasing is so hot in Austin right now. So. With finding renters, has it been difficult um, with eviction moratorium going on? Or are people still just staying put in their own homes and like trying not to move? No, I mean, leasing is super hot with all the people coming in and with all the new jobs opportunities and stuff. I mean, leasing is super hot. I mean, we, if the thing about it, they can't buy a house, not, you know, not because, you know, you think that bad credit, no, that's not true because they can't win or they're frustrated. They've had to put the kids in school, whatever it is, you know, they need to find a, a location. And so people rent. I mean, like I said, you know, over 50%, 54% of people rent in Austin and that's just a temporary thing. And so you're going to, you're not going to have problems finding renters in Austin at all. And I noticed a lot of the group, um, that a lot of them are, have not invested in Texas before. So they might not be very familiar with, um, if, 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 um, Texas or Austin isn't a tenant friendly state or, um, or, uh, landlord friendly. Can you talk a little bit more about that and why it's a great choice to invest in Texas? Sure, sure. So uh, again, we don't have rent control, you know. Um, it, I would say it's pretty easy to evict in, in, in Texas or in Austin. Um, you you can send them a, locate, I mean, a vacate to notice, a vacate to notice in three days, right? Three days notice to vacate if they're not paying rent. Why are you doing that? Probably not, you're right? You're, I mean, if you want to go through the eviction process, you could, but if you, you evict someone for non-payment of rent and then next month they show up with their rent, right? The rents, then the judge, the judge is gonna let them stay. And so most of the time, you know, I always let them pass two months of not paying rent. And then you can kind of tell if, the, if you're kind of working with them or not working with them, um, if, if it's gonna work out or not, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's easier to evict to evict people. You know, I I don't know if this, this memorandum is gonna extend or not, but um, you know, most of the time, with a, if you have a good property manager, you can kind of work out a deal with them. You know, just please leave the property, you know, and, and try to make it work with them. So or take partial payments and stuff. Um, and then so I also there's a lot of Bay Area folks and Bay Area people think, oh, you know, houses will go skyrocket, you know, in the Bay Area because there's not much land for development. But in Texas it's a lot different. You guys have a lot more land and um, there's new development growing up. Um, so do you feel that it's you're going to see the same pricing level, like how it skyrocks in the Bay Area, because since we're pretty similar in a lot of characteristics, 
Or do you see that eventually the new developments are going to hit some kind of like, there's enough to, to meet everyone's demand? No, I mean, right now with the building, I mean, right now with new homes, it's only for, you can't buy new homes right now. It's, it's not open to investors at all. And in fact, they are the right now because of our lumber shortage and material shortage, I mean, they're only releasing two, three homes a month. And then out of those two, three homes, a lot of them, there's a bidding war for new homes. It's like ridiculous, right? And so you're seeing a shortage across the board with new homes. And right now with our land development code, I mean, we're trying to see if we can try to soften up um, some of those restrictions because all those permitting, I mean, we're so behind. We're just not we're just not ready for this growth. We don't have the infrastructure um, for it. And so everything's been taking a lot longer and, and building permits and everything. And so, um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to get better soon, but right now it's still very competitive with the new home and developments right now. I can also jump in on this. Um, so one of the reasons why people say supplies constrained in San Francisco is because of pretty much really terrible single family uh, home zoning laws, uh, which believe it or not, Austin has the exact same sort of nimbyism. So yeah. that, um, you know, uh, my, my friend's dad is like a pretty big developer in town. He said pretty much you're only allowed to build on two major streets in downtown. So once you run out of that, everything else is just single family homes. Everyone wants a backyard. So as a result, um, you're kind of locking people out because you want to put a home on an acre of land, which could fit technically four people, right? Yeah. Because one person really wants a large backyard, which is yeah. like part of that Austin, you know, uh, yeah. Often, like lovely memory fondness. So, uh, geographically, it's not as locked as the um, as San Francisco is, but it technically uh, is blocked off. On, for example, the left uh, is West Lake area, which is like the richest people, and they have even worse zoning than everywhere else in Austin. Like, yeah. you need a minimum of like fifty percent trees on your 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 lot in order to build wow. a home. Yeah. Well, Westlake is his own city, right? Westlake is his own city, yeah. So, they, like, they do whatever they want to do. Think, think Marin County. That's basically what Westlake is. But yeah. essentially, the entire west side of Austin is taken up by Westlake. And then on the north side, it's starting to already get pushed up, right? So, right. in California, we're used to driving that one hour in traffic. That's fine for, for us. But in Texas, no one wants to drive more than 15 minutes. Anything over 15 minutes is considered too far in Austin. So yeah. like if you're driving and like coming in from the north, Cedar Park is like a 30 minute drive to downtown already. Uh -huh. So that's considered too far. Yeah. You're trying to drive there. Right. So that's pretty much leaves the south side and, you know, the east side. So the south side is already getting priced out as well. Uh, you know, there's a lot of traffic in there. Christine knows because she's on the south side a lot. So all that leaves is the east side, which actually right now is pretty much the least developed of all those areas, which is probably why Tesla went there. Mm -hmm. It's next to some major highways and there hasn't been a lot of building because historically um, it was kind of red zoned. The 35 uh, highway, the east side was originally set up to keep out pretty much minorities for a long time. And only recently it's been exploding because people have been getting priced out of the downtown area, right? That Austin core. So like, uh, like, if you look at the geography, uh, the east side has more room to grow, but everywhere else is pretty much locked by land and by uh, land laws that 
you know, the city has voted for over and over again, which I don't think will change anytime soon because if you can't change in San Francisco, imagine, you know, trying to do it again in Austin, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. All right. I think that's it for the questions and we're right on time. A full hour. Christine, I told you. You only talked for like 10, 15 minutes of the presentation and there's just going to be- sifting through everything. I was like, I want questions. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. I uh, really appreciate your time. Super helpful. Um, I think if y'all want to ping Christine, her information's here, of course, and we're going to leave the recording up. We had like uh, 50 people show up, so it was pretty good. Uh, Yay. 30. Yeah. So it was pretty good. Thank you again. Uh, have a good rest of your week, everyone. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks.